be curious and open and imagine what you could bring to your family, to your community, the ripple effect of love that these medicines can bring to your life. You don't have to, but it is sure a fantastic way to help yourself live a better life, live with passion, live with um, new experiences that maybe have limited your own beliefs and you are you are of us all and you are loved. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Psychedelic Conversations. We have Kristen Stratford in the house. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you, Susan. I'm so happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you and also get to know you and your work. Uh, uh, I've been really looking forward to speaking with you. So just to give a context to our listeners, I'd like to say a few things about your background and then we can dive in, right? So you are a licensed uh, clinical professional counselor, addiction counselor, licensed candidate, private practice and ketamine assisted psychotherapy with 100 plus hours of helping ketamine and humans suffering from trauma, moral injury, depression and pain. Thousand plus hours, but who's counting? Right. It's a good it's a good start. <laughs> There's so much work to be done in this area and I'm just so happy to be connected and also learn from your experience and and also ketamine. Um I didn't have many people on the show speaking directly about ketamine as of yet. Uh so I'm really looking forward to what you can um you know, to learn from you and what what you can share with us. So what brings you to this space if we can learn a bit more about your background yeah um i where i live in montana in the united states we have a um, very high suicide rate it's been high for 30 plus years as long as we've been tracking it and my son's lost a good friend to suicide many of us have and i just went looking for answers something that could be legally used that would help people reframe. And I found um, ketamine. There wasn't a lot of literature on it in 2014. I kept tracking it. 2017, I went to an international suicidology conference and it was just, yes, 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 yes. I became a steward for her. I was, became very passionate about her. 2018, I sat with her and um, she helped me sort a lot of, I say she, <laughs> but she helped me sort a lot of my own issues and a lot of my own trauma and pain and just made the world make a lot more sense and help me see a lot clearer. She, um, ketamine, I believe is a pattern disruptor. So the th patterns that we're just a bunch of patterns and perceptions of our own story and experiences and ketamine gets in there and disrupts it. In my opinion, it's what I've seen with a lot of people. Thank you for sharing that. Um, there's always a leverage in the way that we come into this work, right? Um, like yes. you said, having the struggles and also just having or understanding how, especially young people, not just young people, I mean, since the pandemic, uh, suicide rates are really high at the moment. 
and coming through that angle I think it's really um it I guess it what drives you and motivates you to keep going Uh, completely yeah I see it as that as the leverage because uh, a lot of people who come into the psychedelic work some point they have you know they've been shaken or you know they they've lost hope or they've experienced grief or loss something that's really shaken their world and then they seek something a lot more robust in healing and I guess this is where the psychedelics come in um Mm -hmm. I like the way that you call it call ketamine she so there's I I know a lot of people call ayahuasca like mother or grandmother uh tend to why why do you think it's a she ketamine Uh, When I sit with ketamine and when I've watched others, I've sat with a lot of combat veterans also, and um, it seems to be be so much love and so much of a divine feminine energy in it when people are experiencing it, just being surrounded by love. I have a mantra I've used with individuals. A lot of people come with their own mantras, but um, I am safe. I am okay. I am loved. And some of us will check in and go, I don't know if I feel loved, but ironically ketamine just picks them up and takes them into then they're like oh I am loved and I love that about about the magic of how ketamine works yeah that's so beautiful what would you say about ketamine uh, if say a listener just joined in and they have no idea they've never heard of it and it's also legal at the moment Mm -hmm. it's legalized already in therapeutic use I believe yeah well, I come from a pretty conservative family, um, and you know, I I didn't understand medicine that it could psychedelics could be a way for me to awaken within myself a lot more better understanding. I would say that just be curious about it and go ask um, and get read the literature because it is a really safe way to go and learn about yourself and to sort out depression, sort out how we're the patterns of thinking. And um, there are safe ways to go in just lozenges that are, you can just kind of get to know the medicine a little bit and see what it feels like, see what your body feels like. And if you like it and want to know more, there's IV and IM, and then you can sit with a therapist. There's really wonderful ways to explore it without having to just go right in and go into a deep treatment. Yeah, that's really helpful. And is it psychedelic? Because there's this, I've heard and I have seen and I come across a lot of discussions around this. Is it is it just a sedative or is it psychedelic? What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, it, it's safely used as a, as a sedative, um, but it definitely has psychedelic features to it. Um, many people have had many, many experiences from rebirth to we've seen people that will have like a literal modeling of of their body going through this rebirth of sorts. Um, others will have just um, beautiful green, see colors. Um, it just, it, it is, it does fit in a lot of the psychedelic medicine models. Yeah. That's why it's been included basically. Yes, exactly. Um, do you also have to deal with the pushback or the stigma around the negative association? Cause you know, it's, in the recreational use, it has kind of have a bit of a bad rap and addictive yeah. tendencies. What do you? Yeah. Well, I I like to frame things as in around the word balance. It's my favorite word. 
And just like everything, we can get out of balance. And ketamine absolutely has the ability to take people out of balance and um, an escape route of sorts. And street ketamine is definitely causing some concern because it's people we're, we're causing this buzz of ketamine, 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 and then that's an easy access. And we're the medical system and therapeutic models for mental health are making it kind of hard for people to access it and expensive. And so on the street, you know, it's easier to get. However, the safety around it is very challenging for people. And that's the part I do worry about for ketamine and being able to keep it legal. Yeah. 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 That's very helpful. Do you think it's addictive? Um, I think it can be. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So what would be the, cause I always, you know, the way that I see these medicines, um, luckily I don't have a recreational background. Thank God for that. I think kind of has been my advantage. Um, so I always think of it as the container, you know, the setting. I know we talk a lot about the set setting and mm-hmm. people's intention and how, uh, what's the reason they are seeking, uh, what sort of help they are seeking. Um, what would be the most strongest way of creating that space? Like what, what angle would you advise people to come into it? Or, or is there any structures? What can be, what can be said to that? Hmm. Well, different clinics do it different ways. Um, I think being really aware of what makes you comfortable. Um, for instance, I, I sit with rocks, you know, I have rocks that help ground me and help me feel good. I wear jewelry that helps me feel good going in with things that are very comforting to you, understanding, um, what, what is it that I really want to sort about how I'm thinking and how do I want to be able to change myself and what patterns do I want to disrupt in my own way of thinking? Having those kind of conversations with yourself before going in is really good. Also, not being afraid to tell the clinic, I'm going to bring my own pillow and my own blanket. I'm going to... Um, you know, I'd like to wear a mask, have those all the options available. One of the key things I think that's really important that I don't hear a lot of people talk about, but when we go into this medicine, uh, taking our feet off the ground, like a roller coaster and letting go into it, I think is really key because we tend to really want to be grounded. And it's a great way to help us get into the experience. So being um Aware of the lighting is important. Your music pick, being um, going in and picking a list of having, if there's a therapist or not, having a good playlist that feels good to you. All of those things play a role in set and setting. Yeah, so it's really interesting because the ketamine is used in the clinical settings now. Do you also get a pushback on that? Because right now there is a clinical model, there's you know all kinds of different models, right? Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Are you kind of coming across those kind of discussions where, oh, you know, we should take it out of the clinic and put it into different spaces? Um, what do you think? As far as um, professionals pushback or public? Lot, mm, yeah, of course, public and some people sure. who understand psychedelic work because, you know, coming from like more traditional, maybe uh, indigenous uh, sort of way of working with the medicines. I know ketamine ketamine is a different category, but still, even with MDMA, I I hear and I see some discussions around why does it have to be a, you know, 
professionals or clinicians sitting and then in a room with these people on bed with masks and things like that. Those are the kind yeah. of like, yeah. criticism. Yes. And I think there's some great psychedelic medicine coaches out there that could do a bang up job of helping people with ketamine. Absolutely. Because when you were experienced with altered states of consciousness, consciousness, you can, you can understand the medicines. Um, I think in the professional setting, there is definitely pushback. Some old school therapists say, you know, that it's all with from within and you don't need those medicines. Um, and there's also just the, the basics of is it's synthetic and the nature and, you know, ayahuasca, the long tribal history. I mean, I have so much reverence for and I'm just beginning to learn about it. And um, I and reciprocity, all of those things, they really matter. But getting in and being curious about the other medicines and respect and asking each other questions and learning from each other, I think, is the best way. We have this huge opportunity to create a new way of being together, a new way of having community, um, a new way of thinking. We're, we're opening up our third eye to, to what is possible in, in a brand new way to help Mother Earth and help ourselves. And these medicines are all ways. And I, find, I found ketamine because I was so ingrained into psychology. I'm third generation psychologist. So I just knew what I knew and ketamine seemed safe and a way to legally do it. And, and then it opened the door of a whole other, other possibilities to it. So I just would encourage people to just be curious about it and find out the success stories and, and just learn, be open to learn. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the old school sort of psychologists or the clinicians because um, I never thought of that because I always thought, oh, it's the, uh, the psychonauts or the experienced people who can really, who really understands the non-ordinary states. They push back a lot of these new age sort of, or the new models of the, the new pharma or the clinicians and how they are trying to bring in. And especially with training, how you have to be sort of licensed in order to get into the therapy and the learning and the training and all that and it kind of excludes and divides all the rest of the people who don't have these licenses so there is a I'm sure you can imagine there's a lot but I never I never thought that it could be also the problem of much older generation in the I know the mindfulness space is full of uh, older generation of people like don't take anything do not ingest anything outside of you just trust and everything's within you. That's a really good point you made there. Yeah. And shame and guilt and the usual, I'm a not enough and the norms and going against the norms, they all play a part in all of this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, when I, obviously people say, you know, do we need psychedelics? Of course it's not for everyone, but uh, currently that's changing for me a little bit because I think uh, right now, what's happening in the post-pandemic era, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to need robust tools to yes. disrupt the patterns like you said. And I think psychedelic, psychedelics are for everyone. It's just knowing how to use them and knowing how to create spaces to bring them in rather than just make it a trend because right now it's also being mainstreamed and that comes with a lot of, you know, challenges as well. You can imagine. What are your observations about this whole psychedelic renaissance now? 
I think it is really important to be aware that there is no quick fix for anything and that um, counting on a medicine to change a person and going into it, maybe feeling like, okay, this is my last hope. I'm my last hope. Uh, you know, I am home. Those kinds of thinking help us just bring these in as an adjunct to help us think, think clearer. So um, I think I missed the mark on the question. Yeah, like the the trends, the mainstream. Oh, trends, right. Yeah. I think it's about, about dang time. And I think that it's on point for exactly what we need um, worldwide. And that there was a great effort to bring it forward before, but the data wasn't there. And I believe the data is there now. And I really do thank cannabis for helping open the, the door to the possibility of these things. And frankly, ketamine, I think ketamine did, did its job in bringing a medical community on board to see like, wow, what happens with this? People's lives are being changed. This is data we have to be able to really look at and we can't ignore it anymore. So both of those medicines I give credit to. Yeah. That's that's very helpful. Thank you for that. And what about your personal experiences kind of exploring the medicines? How did that affect, you know, your work? Like you said, you come from a very sort of conservative background. What were mm-hmm. your challenges? I'm sure a lot of the listeners might find that really resonating because a lot of people who want to get into the training, they kind of have the same sort of reservations, I guess. Yeah. Well, it, also growing up in a rural area, not many people, um, and I um, was a single mom for a long time, and I really needed a way to get out of these patterns of, I can't make enough money, and I'm living in this rental, and I want to give my kids so much more, and I couldn't really get myself out of the usual, the stuck, 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 same, I call them the Olympic loops, we just get into these same circles of thought. And when I sat with ketamine, uh, it wham, it just took me out of those. And I, my mom picked me up after the first one and she said, you look 10 years younger. And it was like the stress had just gone out of my body and I'm not a napper. And I went out into the grass and I laid down for an hour in the grass, just ah, released. And that started my journey of, and then I started meditating more and I started getting in the river three or four days a week, even in the winter when it's freezing cold and just being one with the water and doors just kept opening of, of my own possibility and belief in myself and the old stories and little bits of trauma of, you know, things that said people that said you're not good enough or made me feel small. Those, those get smaller and smaller and their shadows and they come forward every once in a while, but the time that I spend in them is a lot shorter. Yeah. 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 I always think of the healing is, is, is exactly that, you know, I think our association changes with our own patterns eventually. And then, and then we break out of them a quicker bounce back quicker. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the higher self, like to get there, it's just a constant evolving journey, but it, the journey gets more exciting when you have more tools. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So um, working with, you know, people with trauma, what was the most common theme and and were there any challenges for you dealing with? Because I guess this is a really heavy work to be unpacking and also holding such space. 
what yes. would you like to share if there's anything that you would like to share um, challenges were that we really didn't know when I started doing this, sitting with clients, we didn't know the contraindications. And so I did have a couple of clients that were, that probably shouldn't have been doing the medicine and the space got difficult and challenging. Um, I will say that they are still, still to this day are glad that they did the treatment. So I, as being part of the new frontier of it all, on the new frontier, on a frontier range of Montana, you know, I, I went into some spaces that were a little bit challenging. What I also learned was that with, especially with combat veterans and the trauma, they were able to sort their experiences and just sort of put them aside from themselves and be able to really look deeply at, at what they experienced and process so much better, so much clearer. And they would come in, you know, with a hood on and, um, or just sunglasses, very small. And by six sessions, they were walking in smiling, their eyes were sparkling, they were thinking about new opportunities and ideas and, and really just opening up to the world again. And that was the most beautiful thing for me to witness and, and is still something I absolutely love seeing happen. Yeah, yeah. When you say contraindications, you mean were they on medicines or pharmaceutical medications? What kind uh, of? Well, I'm thinking of one in particular who had had a previous um, inpatient admission, so possible psychosis of you know had had a psychotic break in the past, and um, that what I wasn't made aware of that until after, and so that person got felt had had trouble really did and wouldn't release into the medicine wanted to play their own music because it turned out that was very grounding for them and they were afraid of going to that other side again as they had gone before and that's okay and they were doing their own safety checks in that had i known that you know we i i would have done things a little bit differently a little bit softer um but it all it worked out okay i um yeah i just walked with them Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of also going into the medicine with people is reading proxemics. Some of us don't want somebody really close and some people don't like somebody standing over them. So sitting sort of side, side by side with them and, and reading their space and asking permission for, is it okay if you would, would like for me to reach over and grab your hand if you're feeling uncomfortable? Is that consent to touch? These are all things that we go over with clients before we go into, into session with them. Yeah, yeah. And then integration afterwards was really critical. There's a, you know, the glutamate, the the how per, persons are processing all the information. There's this window afterwards where we really want to take advantage and do big system changes and um, just pattern disrupt, get out there and walk, learn to meditate, clean house, change diet, do that while the medicine is fresh within. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of where the work is at, right? That's so the so the medicine is showing where to start, really. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And in your experience, is that really difficult for people to really integrate the experience, or do they just go back to the old patterns? Boy, we're so individual, and every ketamine experience is individualized and different. So to generalize into, yeah, do they make big changes? Some do, some don't. I would say overall a lift in spirit, a lift in consciousness and an ability to just recognize within themselves something different 
Uh, I would say at least, boy, it's hard. And there's a lot of research out, out there that would say differently, but at least 50% of the people do that, do make the changes. And um, maybe, you know, I can't even think of somebody that it didn't alter their life in some way. So that's 100%. But the work afterwards, I'd say about 50% do it. Yeah, yeah. So what do you how, think? Yeah, um, for me, it's always about um, what's, you know, the environment where they go back, you know, if they go back yeah. to the, the same sort of ecosystem they have or the social, you know, connections and if they're in a really challenging relationship or, you know, other challenging sort of like, you know, the, the things that they can't change instantly because there's so much at stake. Mm -hmm. uh, that tends to play in um, a huge role, I think, in integration because um, we can't take them away and give them a new place or new environment. So I, I find that a lot of people do see the value and they want to change it, they want to integrate it, but then the environment is kind of dragging them back again. So that's kind of like uh, what I noticed. Um, but if they, I, I guess if the work is spread over some time, you know, sessions are not just not expecting a miracle with one session, as you said, there's six sessions or however uh, it needs to just to strengthen and make them more resilient so they can yes. go home and make those changes. I, I guess that's what we are dealing with, right? To, to really understand in the medicine work. Yes. And afterwards, some people will say, I leave it open as far as coming back for integration and do it over Zoom or meet in person. And some will say, I need weeks, you know, and others want to talk right away. Um, but it just depends on the person. I really encourage journaling. I think that's really important. And then one of the little tricks that I do is most people with ketamine, well, all of them need a driver to bring them to, to for their experience. And so I take that opportunity to get in touch with the driver or the caregiver and help see where they're at with psychedelic medicine and where they if they understand ketamine and the benefits so that that person has somebody that they trust that they can talk to about what they've experienced and and what the medicine could possibly help with yeah that's uh that's really helpful because uh the common theme that i see as well people that who seek the help from the psychedelic substances they don't have anyone around them most of the time they feel so stigmatized or you know, shamed or like, why would you want to do that? Because there's a, obviously we are dealing with the lingering effects of the 50s or the 60s or the the history, the historical stigma is just very strong and they feel so crushed under this, this feeling of like, um, maybe they might be isolated because of their choices seeking psychedelic substances. So there is still that that we're still dealing with whole lot at the moment that's what i see absolutely yeah yeah they're doing a lot of beautiful work with death doulas and the medicines it's kind of a way to bring the conversation around too is because it's first super sacred and we all know it and we all understand that that's what's happening for all of us eventually so i think that's kind of an interesting space to maybe bring it into conversation if somebody wanted a tip on to look into that using the medicine to help others cross over and to be get prepared for what a beautiful time 
you know, and to use that example of, you know, it would be a touchy subject, but it is a way. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm really interested in, Kristin? Um, how did working with the medicines change or at least informed your understanding or your connection with spirituality? Like, mm. It, it's my my favorite question my, fa- my favorite thing to ponder on like you know a lot of us um coming from academic or some intellect background and um spirituality somehow is also very stigmatized in some communities in some areas or places in the world yes i love 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 that just love it, it, it awakened me to that that's pretty much all there is. And um, feeling like I can drop into myself and meditative state and just be with myself and with what there isn't really as self <laughs> and connect to others. I also um, have noticed I really can see signs better of more guidance, less um, my own ego saying, oh, you should be doing that there. I'm much more aware of my, the signs around me that the universe is really is helping guide us and working with us. Life is happening for me, not to me. Those kinds of things have really, it's really helped with my own um, connection to everything. Yeah. And, and also like, what are your thoughts on the religious sort of background? Cause a lot of people, almost have this like resentment because they they were either brought up religious or like families that really believed in church organizations like communities and mm-hmm. and then somehow like the medicines um i have met people uh taking psychedelic medicines to actually become more resentful of the the church and the the whole religious organizations yeah right um, yeah, we get so conditioned into what should and shouldn't be. I was raised LDS, or Mormon, and um, I went and attended with my mother, who's very, very devoted and a believer of what, you know, she that's her path to God. And I respect it and love it. And I don't know the answer to what is the true path. What I do know is that when I went through what you're talking about that others may be going through, I sat in the church and I looked around and I just felt these are my sisters and brothers. And I am a part of all of this. And I'm a part of many, many more. And that gave me great comfort. Yeah, yeah. It's very difficult to like get here to this understanding, right? Because there's loads of layers to peel back. Yes. And then and the realization of like, yes, but it depends, like which angle are you looking through? You know, how do you how do you interpret all of that? Yeah. Yeah. And some people don't, you know, they can still do psychedelic medicine and not let go of those that belief system too, or what has given them comfort and community and filled their heart that's perfectly okay too there's I don't think you get to create your own rules around it yeah 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 but this this spiritual connection is of course the one that's I'm always intrigued because um how much do you think we should play with the rituals or the ritualistic approach in using the substances Mm. like the intentional 
should there be like an intentional sort of ritual or like, you know, some people say, I have so much respect for these medicines, you know, that kind of ritual. Yeah. Uh, boy, it depends on the medicine, I know, and how much people have been already experimenting with it because they're kind of a know already their intention of what going into if they've had a lot of experience with it. Of course, each one of the medicines and where they come from, so important. And the rituals, learning about them and respecting those and the cultures, so important. It's so easy for me to speak from a space of ketamine because it started in medical. So it's really easy. And that's just kind of my background. So I get, I guess I got to go from its roots. My roots were part of its roots, but traditional medicines that from different um, places of the world, I think honoring, learning about, and doing as much as possible to integrate the, how the medicine was brought through those tribes is really, really important. Yeah. 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 That's so beautiful. Just the understanding of like, um, I had a guest on the show and he said, um, every medicine is given to different like parts of the world and they have gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. Right. And he would say like Iboga, for example, this, this, the Africa, uh, you know, root bark. And then we have the South American, the ayahuasca and the peyote and, and all different kinds. And then mushrooms are all over the world. So he would say like, there are gatekeepers around these medicines. They've been in this, you know, it's, it's already been part of life from, from the beginning, from beginning of time. And they're not even new. It's just like in the Western world, we just woke up one day. And, oh, there's there's ayahuasca, apparently, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you have? Do you have? I'm sure you have these conversations as well. Like suddenly we think, okay, there's ayahuasca, right? Right. Right. Yeah. It. It's what I think we also kind of feel called to it when we start thinking about what makes sense for us and whatnot. Um, then we we're called to whatever medicine makes sense for us at the time yeah do you know uh about i can't remember now maybe two decades ago that's how long it's been um there used to be bbc series uh uh with um so the t the the the, the um the actor of this bbc series i'm not going to mention his name uh he did have kind of like a lot of apparently there was a lot of uh controversy around that so he sat with tribes and they gave him ayahuasca. This was like, you know, two decades ago. And this was kind of aired on BBC. I watched this and I had no idea what this was. We just thought it was just like cringe. And it was just like, why would you do this? Because, you know, mm -hmm. it was kind of depicted on the show as he drank something and it was really arduous and really horrible somatic purging and all of that. And we just sat there thinking, like, why would someone drink such substance? But obviously, it wasn't projected uh, as what we know of ayahuasca now. Right. It just—it was just like documented as, oh, these are the tribes, and this is what they do. But yeah. apparently, apparently, after that, his life took a whole new turn. Yeah. And this is why, like, seat belts. Why we started wearing seat belts. The data matters. Yeah. And we have way more, we have a lot more data now. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and also the mainstreaming of psychedelics. Now there is a thing called ayahuasca tourism and a psychedelic tourism 
So we're dealing with all of these challenges while we're trying to still bring them to really actually intentionally help and heal. And, you know, especially the veterans, like, please talk to us about the veterans, like their struggle. Because I think I haven't had anyone, I think only one person speaking on our channel about the veterans and they do amazing work. The Heroic Hearts, I think you know them. Yes. The UK representative. Um, But I don't really know much of what is actually happening and what kind of help is provided for veterans especially you know with psychedelics yes um not enough i'll tell you that there are some great organizations out there um that are doing good work jesse gould and vets veterans experimenting treatment solutions i think that's the acronym um what i what i think is the most important part is that the va in the United States needs to be doing more work to allow for more medicines to be running for for their um, veterans to be able to experience the, these awakenings with good, reputable nonprofits and good, reputable organizations. Um, it's also, we kind of have to worry about, we definitely have to worry about their clinically studying veterans because the whole organization of how veterans are treated it has historically been very unfair. And so to bring psychedelic medicine to some vets that may not know it, like, what are you doing? You want to give me a psychedelic to help fix me? That doesn't make any sense. Others are just begging for it and it can't get through. So again, we're caught in this the political jargon of how do we get these veterans to these safe places. So I, if anybody's looking into it, I would research them who are some of the best nonprofits in the world that are working with veterans and reach out to them. And I, because I know there are scholarships available and I know that if they were able to find a good local therapist that could help refer them and get them to these treatment centers, that there would be a lot of good possibilities for them. But frankly, there just isn't enough yet. Yeah. And uh, I did speak to another guest who said um, that's actually the the biggest issue, the challenge the U.S. has, especially in the U.S., uh, the veterans, the, the suicide rate and what is actually happening now. It's increased or maybe tripled since the pandemic. Yes. So, yeah. This is a very serious, serious, serious problem to be dealing with. It is. Yeah. And even the system itself for for vets to get through the paperwork of how the VA manages its stuff is, um, boy, it is very difficult. And I think even just being able to have experiences with ketamine or mushrooms or whatever it is can even just help with the simplicity of getting through the system. It can help them think just that simple being able to get themselves more benefits and more help because that is a, just can be a big wall that is stopping them from being able to get help. So I see that as a, a possible tool too, but yeah, it's oh, it's a really hard topic and painful to talk about for for many of us you know, watching and learning and hoping that this will be a way that mental health can change, the whole pers- paradigm of mental health can change with the help of these medicines. Yeah, yeah, that is the, the intention and hope for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Kristen, uh, what are you working on currently? What are the projects that you're involved in? If there's anything you'd like to share more as we are coming to the end of our conversation, uh, what would you like to share? Um, I, I just encourage anybody that wants to learn more about any of the medicines to go, jump in there and just look for, go and look at this um, YouTube, go and look at your, your information, go and look at anybody that's talking about these medicines and be aware of the passion behind it. It isn't a selfish thing. It isn't coming from a place of, oh, get out and try a bunch of drugs. This is coming from a place of an awakening of sorts and a joining and all of us wanting more for each other. It comes from a great place of love. And I, I see myself working with ketamine, possibly working with Ibogaine. I just had three weeks in Mexico where I got to experience Bufal. And that was my first time sitting um, uh, with a shaman even. So that's how like conservative my background has been. And I, I want to explore more options around the world and get to know more about all of these medicines. And I'm, I'm imagining my path will take me that way. Yeah, that's so wonderful. Um, Ibogaine, is it for addiction or how would you like to work with the Ibogaine? Ibogaine, yes, I, I went to down to Beyond and um, they are doing magnificent work in Cancun with um, addiction and with PTSD and people just, just like my life is a mess and I need to sort it and actually the, the medicine helps them sort. It, um, it, is the, it is a big one. And it's very, very important that, you're, that per persons are seeking out good facilities that are offering this medicine. I don't know that we know enough about it to, I would send everybody through beyond if I could, but it, you know, it's expensive and it's just not big enough yet. But I think this medicine has a, it could be hugely successful for veterans and individuals with PTSD. And um, I, I, I'm excited to learn more about it, but I don't know enough yet to even talk, te teach you about it or teach others yet. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm hearing a lot more conversations around the Ibogaine as well. Um, I guess also the contraindications, because that's one one medicine that makes me really nervous, Iboga or Ibogaine. Yeah, that's why it's so important, like what they do at Beyond, having a medical, complete medical staff with MDs, and they just are constantly monitoring people's everything about what's there, what's going on with their body medically, physically. So that's really, really critical. Um, yeah. And as I came back from that trip, it was really interesting because I hadn't intended to, I went down there to do sit with ayahuasca and ended up with Bufo following the signs. And that's another thing that people will start to be more aware of is following the signs and your, what speaks through your heart. Um, but I was coming back on the plane and there was a man sitting there next to me that had a sh shirt that said um, big sky and beyond, which I'm in Montana, the big sky country and beyond is had I not I had this wonderful opportunity to show up and be with these people. And the man had just been to Africa, which is where I began, I, Iboga comes from. And he handed me a, a, a little tiny horn shed from that he had been walking on the earth of Africa. And it just felt like uh, I was a part of this and that I, I felt like an awakening of my own spirit. And it constantly is evolving and changing. And I feel like I'm getting stronger. And I want that so bad for others. I just want it for the world. Yeah. And that's so beautiful. I think a lot of the people who are in the medicine space, that it is coming from that energy and that intention. There is an incredible, like, um, good, you know, intentions behind what they do. 
and their passion around yeah. wanting to work with the medicine and learn most of the time i know we have we hear stories and controversial stuff going on at the same time but i guess that's just going to happen with everything like everything right um but but there is a lot of good people out there that really especially with i think medicines when they experience it they do they want to share it with their family they want to you know almost wear it on their t-shirt like everybody should uh, be uh, taking psychedelics because they once you experience it i guess that's what you want to pay forward or at least introduce it to the world yes yeah yeah so <laughs> wonderful christine thank you so much and um would love to have you back follow you and your journey and what you will be doing in the next phase of your work with ibogaine especially Thank and, you. Yes, um, I'd love to come back and follow up and learn what you're doing and hear about what others are doing. Just keep building this community. Thank you so much. Yes, you are now part of our community and we love that. Thank you. So uh, what would you like to say? Last words of wisdom to our listeners. Be curious and open and imagine what you could bring to your family, to your community, the ripple effect of love that these medicines can bring to your life you don't have to but it is sure a fantastic way to help yourself live a better life live with passion live with um, in new experiences that maybe have limited your own beliefs and you are you are of us all and you are love thank you so much well it's been such pleasure getting to know you and connecting with you and uh, yeah, I would love to have you back very soon in the near future. Yes, I'm happy to come back anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Great. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoy this conversation. And do get in touch with us and uh, myself and Christine. We'll have her links and you can connect. Um, do share your experiences if you had any ketamine experience or therapeutically or uh, recreationally even what did you learn what was your experience um, yes share with us drop it in the comments don't be shy I'll see you on the next one bye for now bye Thank you so much for joining us. Psychedelic Conversations podcast is designed to educate, inform and expand awareness. For more information, please head over to psychedelicconversations.com. You can also share with your friends or leave a review so that we can reach more people. You can also join us in our private Facebook group to keep the conversation going. This show is for information purposes only and it is not intended to provide mental health or medical advice. Thanks for listening.